Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Okay, picture this, everybody. Me in short shorts. Hey. Oh, you're already giving me no, their. Right, right, right. I mean, they're not short like, shorts. How, like, how not, short are we not like Jack Tripper short How shorts. wide are your thighs? That's well, you're, getting, you're stealing my touchdown okay, color. <laughs> no, they're just regular workout shorts. And the, the shorts now are getting shorter, by the way. Uh, and very, very pale white legs. <laughs> and not only this, but the pièce de résistance. Crocs <laughs> on my feet. Wow. That was me yesterday at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. In the backyard of my significant, significant household, my significant mansion in Rosemont. <laughs> I was cleaning dog poop, picking up dog poop. Yeah. But I stopped in the middle of that exercise, and I just relished in the fact that it was, here it was, February 26th, and it felt like mid-May. And it now, and I said, this moment partly because of what I was wearing and what I was doing at the time, is now ingrained in my memory. It is strange. We talk about weather all the time in the state. It, we, we, we couldn't get by for 24 hours without talking about the weather. And mainly because it's crazy. And this winter has been just not so and it's going to get weird today i mean it looks you look outside it's sunshine it looks like oh it looks pretty nice 41 degrees not bad but the bottom's going to drop out we're going to get snow and it's going to be wind chill overnight but yesterday it was glorious i took not one but two walks and now that is in and I, and it brought up memories of other days that are ingrained in your memory because of the weather for good or bad. And it's weird because I do have like three or four days that are totally ingrained in my memory because things were so out of the ordinary. St. Patrick's Day 2012, I believe it was. I think it got up to like 80 degrees. I believe there was a wild game that day, and West 7th was hopping with St. Patrick's Day revelers, and it was 80 degrees. I'll never forget that day. Dare I say the blizzard of 1991 that occurred, I believe, on Halloween. Dave, can we uh, somehow confirm that that's when that happened? Uh, you think that was on Halloween? It might have been. It might have been the 31st into the fir- into November 1st. But obviously that's ingrained in our collective memories. Do you, do you know what really happened that day on Halloween in 91? You were born? Gulf moisture gurgling northward, two to three inches of liquid equivalent. <laughs> Gulf moisture gurgling <laughs> northward. Wow. Is that really from that day? Uh, sure is. That's a deep cut of deep cut. Mr. That's Douglas. a Paul Douglas deep cut. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> I, that's very good alliteration, though. I mean, that's yeah. if you want to be memorable, there you go. Gulf moisture gurgling north. So that's my question for you today to start off the show. Real hot, hot take on a hot day yesterday. Are there uh, weather days that are ingrained in your memory because of the unusual nature of uh, that of when they occurred? or just because of a special event.
Um, Halloween blizzard. It was 80 degrees on St. Patrick's Day and yesterday. Me standing in my shorts, in my Crocs, my white legs exposed for all to see, doing the, uh, the duty, the marvelous duty of uh, picking up duty in the backyard. Dave, anything come to mind for you uh, on uh, days of, of your uh, young, much younger life than mine where uh, the weather really stands out? Yeah, the thing is, weather, like anything, we remember the bad days better than the good, I think. And there's countless, you know, beautiful June days. See, I don't know, though, because I remember, like, the really good... The, and, like, yeah, you're not going to, like, boy, it was 75 and yeah. uh, June 3rd, it was great. No, it's, it's the ones that are come out of the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, I do remember those. The two that I remember, though, um, I remember a Christmas Eve that... I want to say it was 1996. I'll have to look up and see if that's a correct date. But it was negative 16 on Christmas Eve. And me and that's, my cousins would that's a cold Christmas. normally go out and like throw a football around or do something outside after dinner. Yep. And we said, by golly, negative 16 is not going to stop us. So we bundled up and we went into the driveway, the icy driveway of my grandparents' house and threw a football around for 10 minutes. So I remember that day. And then I remember the... April, the the double shot of April snowstorm yes. we got in 2018. This was right after the birth of my first child, and it was mid. We had like 10 inches on like the third maybe of April, and then a bigger shot. Um, I think it was 16 or 18 inches. Yep. in the middle of April that year. I remember because I was leaving for a Colette trip. Oh, uh, to Spain. Okay, or no, excuse me. Um, to uh, yeah, been, to you've, Spain. You've been on so many, you can't remember. That's right. And we got delayed because of that snowstorm. Mm. And that's why I only got, I was supposed to have three days in Madrid, ended up only getting one day. Uh I know. Play your tiny violins for me. Bummer. But yeah, because of that April snow, and that was just a gut punch. It's like, come on, man, it's mid-April. I think that's the same year that um, there was a storm also in early May, and it was maybe Rochester that got the brunt of that. But they had snow in the first couple of days of May that year as well. Just a really crazy that's story. right i remember going down to pick up my sister at gustavus adolphus this was when i was still in high school and i got to drive the car down to saint peter mm-hmm. to pick up my sister from college and it was the first week of may and i'll never forget driving down 169 and the snow started to fall i'm like this is ridiculous <laughs> what's happening yeah so i remember that yeah and in this part of the country i mean we're filled with unusual weather events at various different times well we're already getting a number of texts See, people remember this. This stuff sticks in our craw. Wow. Weird, wacky weather events that you'll never forget. That has marked, seared that date in your memory. 651-461-9226. Would love a phone call, too. Uh, but lots of text coming in on the WCCO Talk and text line. 651-461-9226. Uh, we'll get the weather coming up and uh, much more uh, on a Tuesday Sans Jordana, and I think we're going to hear from Jordana at some point, right? She is out in Washington. That's right. Advocating for uh, Be the Match, uh, former, uh, formerly known as Be the Match. Uh, and we're going to hear from her about her time. She said it's a lovely picture with some other folks on the steps of the Capitol. That is, that is the quintessential lobbying picture when yes. you're on the steps of the Capitol. And uh, she was wearing her T-shirt. With a, like a, pin a on. black power suit over top of power the T-shirt. Power suit, yeah. yes. My goodness, look at this. Text just flying in now because people just uh, remember the weather. 651-461-9226.
Uh, funny hearing Bert Blylovin on the air right uh, before the top of the hour with Vanita down in uh, Florida. <laughs> I'm reminded of uh, Bert. Obviously, a lot of people obviously remember Bert Blylovin from being a Hall of Fame pitcher, which I do too, but I also remember him from <laughs> his notorious uh, 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 TV appearance when he uh, dropped the F-bomb, not once but twice, I believe, on live air. And I was reminded when that happened, I believe that was 2004. Twins were in New York facing the Yankees. And I was watching, it was a Sunday game, I think, and I was watching at home. And I didn't see that live, but I was watching the game, and I remember a couple of times during the game that Burt Blylovin apologized. He said, "I've again, I want to apologize for what happened earlier. So here I am like, well, I wonder what happened. And nowadays, I immediately go to the Google. Actually, I, even if I'm not watching, I'm probably already aware of what had happened because I've probably seen the video on Twitter. But this was back. It just shows you how far we've come in that time. I had no idea what happened, and it wasn't until I think well into the next day that I finally figured out what had happened. And nowadays, it'd be instant. You'd be like, "Oh, now I got to go to X. What happened there?" And you'd know instantly that faux pas. And I say that uh, there, but the grace of God go on because we're always, you know, when you're on the radio every day, you. Sometimes you don't know if you're live, you, and some, some things can happen. That's all I'm saying. And so I sympathize with Bert over that moment. And it's very funny, too. I mean, if you, I think you can still find it, I'm sure, on YouTube. And if you want to do that, go for it. Seven inches. So we're talking about weather events that are ingrained in your memory because yesterday was one of those days. It was just, it, it, it was glorious. And I know it's probably not a good thing that uh, our winters are warming up, and this is the warmest winter on record now. But, man, just to be able to, especially for somebody like me who just really is my mental mood is affected by the weather, it was just so nice to be out in the backyard, even picking up dog poop, to be able to walk around and just like feel like it was in the middle of spring. And it would hearken me back to certain weather events that are totally ingrained in my memory. And I think a lot of people have the same thing. And sure enough, text coming in. March 1st, 1962. Now that, I mean, that's a long memory there. 32 below zero on March 1st. So think about that. Friday, think about that. It's going to be like 60 again or mid-50s. It could be 32 below zero. My brothers and I got a ride down our farm road to catch the school bus that day. The temperature was way out of line with the record low temperatures compared to March 2nd and February 28th and 29th. Uh, Here's another from July of 1987. Seven inches of rain three days before my daughter was born. I think there was also better remembrance that when there was some other significant event. Yeah, that's right. If there's some other significant event happened, like, right, like if if it wasn't St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, that day when it was eighty degrees, and I was on West Seventh enjoying uh, everybody's company and the Wild were playing. Yeah, I probably it would have been just another day, but it was a significant day. I mean, somewhat significant, but it was a holiday. So I think you remember that. I think if the Halloween blizzard would have happened four days later, uh, it wouldn't be the November third yep. blizzard, or right? Whatever. We wouldn't it would remember just be, it. Yeah, I don't know. One of those blizzards. We totally had true. Then. Absolutely true. Uh, this past Christmas night, I was cleaning up dog crap piles with a flashlight, saw night crawlers poking up through the grass at Wilmer. My neighbor was coming home from Diamond Lake, saw them on the edge of the road. Yeah. This, uh, I'm going to remember this past Christmas as a major bummer. It was cloudy. 
It was, it was kind of raining, raining, yeah. cloudy, just not Christmas at all. No. And so that was a bummer this year. I'll take snow and cold any day over what we had on Christmas. Um, March 8th, 1978, it was a day much like any other. I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget. That was it. <laughs> very, very nice. Just left me hanging there, but I'll uh, text in. Uh, I've seen Adam with the creamy white thighs, Crocs, and black socks. Hope I don't run into him on payday. Thanks, Mark. Uh, no, I didn't have black socks. Uh, no socks for me. St. Patrick's Day blizzard than the flood of 1965. April 15th of 2002, 90 degrees. I do remember April 6th of 1991, too. As somebody listening might remember that day, too. It was very warm that day. I think it might have got into the upper 80s that day. Again, I remember that. It was like I was a junior in high school. That's an odd thing to just remember a random good day. I started dating my girlfriend back then, who became my high school sweetheart, and then later in life became my wife. Well, then you remember it for that reason. Yes, but I I also remember it was very unseasonably warm that day. Um, It was a snow day. And believe me, college kids love getting classes canceled because snow just as much as grade school kids do. Of course. I bet you in college it's even better to have a snow day because oh. you're old enough to, like, yeah. you know, have real fun in the snow. Yes. You know? That, uh, that memory makes me remember a day my, like, a month after school started, my freshman year of college, when a huge storm knocked out power at my college. So we had, like, a rain day basically where nobody could go to school there was no power people went home or other people like there was just like a giant like impromptu slip and slide on the main green of the school because no one's got classes you can't go inside you can't really do anything we're just like running around on the rain together st patrick's day 2012 again that's the one i was talking about my first legal drinking event was so nice out i played hooky from work spent the whole day in st paul uh, drinking green beer, also the reason I will never drink a green beer again. Good times. Yeah. One and done on that one. It's just coloring. But, yeah. So, yeah. First legal. Wow, that's a young uh, listener. Appreciate you, you texting in. Uh, one of my memories is the three-day blizzard we had in Grand Forks, North Dakota, when I was in grade school. Three days, everybody had school off, ex- except me, because I went to the state school for the blind. And we lived in the school, so we had to go to school every day. I remember being able to jump from my parents' roof off the house into the snowbanks. The snowbanks were so big we could get up on the roof. Here's another one I remember. That's just cruel, by the way. If there's a snow day, you let everybody. Like exactly. It doesn't matter that you live in the building. It's a snow day for everybody. Right. Equal opportunity getting I, off school. I agree 100%. Yeah, I would, uh, go, I would contact your uh, school officials and say, what the hell, man? January 1990, uh, 1988, 59 below. Lake Trout Fishing Snowbank Lake north of Ely. Uh, Christmas Eve, 1983. Windchill was 96 below. I think you're right, though. I think we do. Obviously, the, the really cold, cold or snowy events are much more yeah. memorable than the hot, unuse, unseasonably warm events. I also think events like we're having this week where it goes straight from, you know, like in this case, 65 and sunny to 24 hours later, it'll be 28 and snowy this afternoon. Those are memorable too. And I remember a couple of those where like, I think I was like helping somebody build a deck one time and we're, it's on the same weekend. Yep. One afternoon you're like slugging down water cause you're sweating out there. And then the next day there was flurries yeah. while we're doing the same. And you're just like, well, it's like today. It yes. Was, it's the same thing. Um, 
another one too. Uh, the March tornado that that hit St. Peter. Uh, oh, that yeah, was I think yeah. March 29th. But I was already working in Iowa, and it was on the national news. And I remember, like, boy, that seems really early for a tornado, but not anymore. Uh, here's another one. Somebody says um, tornadoes. Um, tornado warning on December 15th of 2021 when it was 58 degrees, tornado warnings. Another one from St. Patrick's Day. I was in a hotel for the high school state tournament, and we had to complain to the front desk because the air conditioning was not working. 2012, early March, ice fished in Wright County when it was 70 degrees. Others were out. Ice was 10 inches thick. That I, that was also the year, too. So my buddy and I had a uh, reservation to go fish on Lake of the Woods. I think it was a Wigwam uh, Resort. And it, that was... A, not only was it you know eighty degrees on St. Patrick's Day, that whole week had been seventies and eighties. And I called my friend. I said, "Are you sure they're still letting people out?" And we called up there and like, "Oh yeah, there's plenty of ice up here." So we left, and it takes like five hours to get up there, and it was raining that day. So it rained all day, and literally as we drove into town in Budette, you could see the sign. We got a phone call from the resort saying, "Yeah." There's too much water on the ice. We're pulling all the houses. Oh. <laughs> like we're already up here. It's like, okay. So we spent the night there, but I remember we were in the bar and the workers from the resort who had been out pulling houses off Lake of the Woods, they said their wa- the water on top of the ice was up to their running boards on the trucks. Oh, it's like, boy. oh man, that would have been scary. So no thanks. Oh, good geez. move to keep us off the ice. Uh, good times. Um, 651-461-9226. We'll keep reminiscing about that. But we're going to change tunes. Great report. Uh, tomorrow will be the funeral for uh, those two Burnsville police officers and the paramedic firefighter who died in that uh, shooting in Burnsville. By the way, we're going to be talking to the mayor of Burnsville later in the show about how she's preparing and the emotional week or so that it's been. But up next, some great reporting by uh, WCCO Television, Jennifer Merrily. Uh, tracking the gun that was used uh, in this shooting to how it got in the hands of a guy who legally wasn't supposed to have guns. And it's leading to a lot of frustration, and I'm wondering about the laws. And sometimes we have knee-jerk law uh, reactions to these shootings or knee-jerk reactions to events that cause us to change the laws. This is one of them, I think. I'll explain next on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. What's if we're serious about you know keeping guns out of the hands of people who shouldn't have them, then we should be behind stiff penalties for people who allow that to happen. And I don't think that's really an issue that would divide uh, gun rights people from people who would be considered anti-gun. Uh, some good reporting by Jennifer Merrily from Channel Four on how it was that this individual who shot and killed uh, two Burnsville police officers and a Burnsville paramedic was able to get at least one of the guns that was involved in the shooting. Uh, Jennifer Merrily reporting that a straw buyer bought 
an AR-15 lower receiver. Now, that's the part of the AR-15, the rifle, that is actually the part that is considered the firearm of it. There are several components to the gun, but the AR-15 lower receiver is the one that actually has restrictions on it. So you could buy a barrel separately that wouldn't have restrictions, but the lower receiver of an AR-15 is the portion of the gun that actually is restricted. Anyway, bottom line is somebody bought that for Shannon Gooden at a Burnsville sporting goods store. You know, not years ago, by the way, this happened last month. And the law as it stands in Minnesota is that is a gross misdemeanor to... Be a straw buyer if you're convicted of that, a gross misdemeanor. It should be a felony. That should be a felony offense. And it doesn't matter what the gun you're buying it is used for. If we're going to have gun laws that actually are enforceable and that prevent guns from getting in the hands of people who shouldn't have them, they should have teeth in the law to actually deter people from doing it. And that might be, well, uh, well, I'm just buying a gun for my friend or I'm buying this gun for... No, I don't care. If you're serious about having your right to own your guns legally, which I do and I believe in that right 100%, you shouldn't just give up on laws that are meant to stop people who shouldn't have guns from getting guns. And one of those is a straw purchase. So if you're buying a gun for somebody else... I don't care what the reason is. It might be in the best of intentions. If it stops me from doing that and it stops another guy from buying a gun for somebody who then shoots cops, I'm sorry, I'm willing. I'm willing to take that. That should be a felony, absolutely. I don't care what the reason is. You're saying it should be a felony no matter what happens to that gun. So obviously if there's a gun that's purchased for somebody like we just saw happening, yes, the Whoever bought that gun that was used in the shooting last week, yep, that should be a serious defense. But what if it's just somebody who bought a hunting rifle for somebody? Should it be the same felony for them? I think so. I think absolutely. Because you know what? Like if you uh, and I th- I'm sure people have done that. We were just talking before. So my brother-in-law at the time, this is many years ago, bought me a rifle, a hunting rifle, as a gift. And it's like I never registered that gun i never uh, had to tell anybody i had that gun and the more i think about it, it's like you know that probably shouldn't be the case i that that gun should be registered somehow yeah. and i i guess i'm not i don't know what the rules are on gifting somebody a gun but if i gift if i purchase a gun for somebody else and it's that person should absolutely be legal be be qualified to have a firearm. Otherwise, I mean, you might say, okay, well, it's just my buddy who wants to go hunting and you know, I got a DWI or he has a, fa- for some reason he can't o- or own a firearm and he just wants to hunt. I get that. But if we allow that and, and allow other circumstances, then it's, guns are going to continue to get in the wrong hands. You should want to be a part of the solution to that so we can move past the situation of we can cross some of these factors off of saying I'm a legal gun owner and I, I don't want my rights to be infringed. Well, then we should infringe them for the people that don't have a right to have them. And again, I think this boils down to the fact that when we talk about guns too, it's like 
It's got to be the perfect solution. And if it's not the perfect solution, well, don't try anything. That's absurd, too, by the way, because we should try things. Doesn't mean they have to be the letter of the law for here, uh, for, but we should try something different. This guy should not have had these guns. I mean, I think everybody agrees that. And the person who bought him that gun, even for a good move, thinking he's good, he should be held responsible for what he did. And a felony should qualify here. Tim from Minneapolis, yes, it should be a felony, but if it's used in an act of murder, it should be an accessory to murder. I agree with that, too. If, it, if that firearm is used in a crime as serious as like a carjacking, those charges that the person would face should also be applicable to the person who provided the gun. We have aiding and abetting uh, crimes that our people are charged with. And it should apply in this case, too. You should really say it was a straw purchase for bad intent. It probably was, but you don't really know, and neither does the reporter. Adam, wasn't the original intent for the gun to be used against his wife, not cops? Either way, you shouldn't have, Yeah, it doesn't matter. And, I'm, and, I, and I get people, well, what about the, you know, if my buddy just wants to... We should have laws that are significant enough to be deterred. That's the point of having laws, not only to punish people who do wrong, it's to deter people from doing wrong in the first place. And if I, if, if I have a buddy who's been convicted and he wants to hunt and he wants a gun, and I'm sorry I can't buy you a gun, uh, that's, I'm fine with that. If, if, even though I can trust him 100% that he's just going to use it to go hunting, People who buy guns shouldn't be handled the same way as someone buying a car. They must take out insurance and be registered with the state. We've brought that up before, too. And I'm saying this, too, as somebody who, like, I bought a hunting rifle at Shields two years ago, and I walked in, I did my background check, and I literally walked out of the store with a high-powered rifle. Mm. And that's the system we have in this country. I passed the background check. If there would have been something, hopefully they would have, it would have been flagged. And they would have turned me down. Yeah. So your but, assertion would be that if I, but I'm wanted... saying it's like, do, and I, that seemed a little too easy for me. Sure. That's too easy. I mean, even like the day even though you of, passed a background, I check? passed the background check. So you want background checks and a waiting period? Well, I'm just saying you know, we've talked about waiting periods before. I said, you know what? If I'm going hunting, or if I'm if I'm using it to protect my family, so if I've got a situation where. I feel threatened, and I need to protect my family. Should there be an ability for me to go in and get a handgun fairly quickly? I'm open to that conversation, too, to see if you can prove yourself. But, I mean, that's why we should that, – that's what we have police for, though, too, is to file protection orders. It shouldn't be up just to us to protect ourselves. And even though I want to go hunting, I should look ahead of time that it's like, you know, it's not like buying my license. It's not like buying a vest that I can wear that I should wear to go. I'm buying an actual firearm. And it should be, there should be a little more scrutiny. I mean, think about you buy a car, you buy a house, the scrutiny you go through. I just feel like this is a situation where I believe people could get on board with this and if it prevents bad people from getting guns. Because that's the argument. And I'm sick of people saying, well, you know, any kind of law is just not going to prevent these people. They're going to figure out a way to get guns. No, that's not the answer. We should figure out why they get guns and to stop that. 
A mother was just convicted for her role in a mass shooting. Why isn't an adult in the house being charged? Had to know he had the guns when he shouldn't have. Uh, yeah, Adam, it is a fine line. I would say if they knowingly buy a gun for someone who cannot legally have one, it should be a felony, or if that gun is used in property. Uh, uh, not used properly, but also have one guns for people as gifts. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Take a break. To uh, I know we're getting some calls here. We'll get those lined up. Six five one four six one nine two two six. It should be a felony if we really are serious about stopping bad people from getting guns or just people who shouldn't have guns. Then they shouldn't have guns, and we shouldn't be allowed to buy guns for people who shouldn't have guns. It's as simple as that, and it should be a serious penalty for people who do it. Nine forty five on CCO. Your Linda's Construction time check is 9.49. Time to invest in clog-free leaf guard gutters. Receive 50% off installation labor. So here's the text we get all the time that I was kind of making reference to earlier. So you think the person who did the straw purchase for the evil shooter in Burnsville would have not done so if the penalty was a felony? You think that they knew the punishment or cared? Sure, and it rains donuts too. So it's pointless to have laws because people break laws? Is that the idea here? That is the, there is a law and it was ignored. Yes, it was ignored. That doesn't mean we should not have the law. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous argument. I'm sorry. Because we have laws to prevent people from doing things and, by the way, to punish people who do wrong. And if somebody is lo- – oh, we just talked to the chief yesterday, uh, Chief Brian O'Hara, by the way, that uh, podcast available at the Adam and Jordana podcast. And you could hear the frustration in these juveniles who are committing these crimes, mainly because there isn't a hell of a lot of consequence for it right now. And if there are consequences, guess what? Maybe they would. So would some still commit those crimes? Probably. Sadly, there are people just who don't get it. But it would prevent some. Maybe it'd prevent most of them. And the same is the case here. You can't just say, well, nobody's going to follow that law. I mean, I, you know, you're, that's a law for me. I'm a, I'm a law-abiding gun owner, and you're just restricting my rights because those people won't follow the law. We don't know that. And if you make it, make it serious enough, and guess what? Even people who say, yeah, you know, I'm going to buy this gun for so-and-so. He's a good guy. But, you know, maybe you might. But that prevents them from doing that, too. And it leads, will lead to better outcomes. Uh, I'd be shocked if the straw purchaser didn't know it was a crime. Of course. I probably knew it was a crime. But if it was a serious crime where they had to do serious time, and by the way, I hope I've, that this straw buyer is identified and should absolutely face serious consequences aiding and abetting the killing of these cops and this yeah. firefighter. Absolutely. That would not, yeah. I would not uh, lose any sleep over that. But it, shouldn't, it, it, it should be to the point where I can't, if I buy this gun for this person, I know I can get in significant yeah. trouble. Not just, oh, I hope it doesn't happen, and then I'm screwed. It should happen before that. Well, and we all know this and do it on a regular basis. Like, if you go out and speed, you're going 10 miles over the speed limit. Like, some of us do that. We know the consequence. If I get caught, I'm probably going to pay a ticket. It's going to be a couple hundred dollars. That's going to be a bummer. But if I drink and drive, yeah, the consequence is going to be a lot higher. And guess what? 
People sometimes speed. You get away with it, whatever. People think a lot harder about whether you're going to drink and drive because we all know the consequence is higher. We changed the culture on that. Yes. There was a time when people would drink and drive and it was part of society. And guess what? They stiffened the laws. They stiffened the penalties. And it changed the culture there. That's how it works. Did it eliminate drinking and driving? Of course not. Do people still uh, drink and drive? Yes, sometimes frequently. But it changed the mindset. Uh, Just going into the story again from Jennifer Merrily in Channel 4. um, So the owner of the modern sportsman where this gun was purchased uh, said it was an online order from out of state. The buyer had to pick up the gun at the dealer to do the paperwork. Uh, The modern sportsman transferred the firearm to the individual who was not Gooden, who was the shooter. Um, The straw purchaser picked up the gun by themselves, said the clerk did their due diligence in asking questions to make sure the gun was for the buyer. That is a part of this story that I want to find. In all honesty, if somebody's out there who works at a gun shop or maybe is a clerk or knows someone, we'd love to talk to somebody. I want to know what kind of questions someone asks. In all seriousness and being genuine here, that what what kind of impetus do we put on gun sellers? Like what questions are they asking to ensure as best they can that this gun is for that person? Now that's It's not foolproof, obviously, but I'm wondering what those questions are. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Jane is in St. Paul. Jane, uh, jump in here. Hi, Adam. How are you this morning? I'm well. Good. See, listen, I was thinking of two things. Uh, one of them I heard many years ago and, uh, when a lot of this debate <clears throat> first came about, and that was, it isn't the gun, it's in whose hand the gun is yep. in. Yep. Yep. And then the second one is this, and I thought of it this morning because there's so many um, undocumented people in the country. How are we going to handle that issue because we have a lot, not a lot of people, but there are some people that are coming across <clears throat> our border who are um, who have records. Yeah. Jane, I'm going to Jane. I appreciate it. I know you call it frequently, and I'm just going to stop you there. That is a whole other <laughs> issue that obviously would take a long time uh, to get into. Uh, Jeff is in Red Wing. Uh, Jeff, we got a, a, about a minute left. Go ahead. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to make a comment about the gun issue. Mm -hmm. There are so many firearms in our country. When I was 17, I was in the Air Force, and now I'm 68. My father bought me firearms to go hunting pheasants and ducks. What is happening with the guns are not a legal issue. It's a moral issue. It's a breakdown of our code of humanity, of right and wrong. The people that shoot other people have an issue. Yep. That's they do not have the right to do that. Jeff it's that- a morality issue. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Jeff. And that's part of the problem, too. But it's a combination, though. I mean, you can't just say, well, you know, we had guns before and nobody used them to kill each other. Yeah. Uh, partially true, but partially there's a lot, there's many more firearms now. And they're getting into the wrong hands. And it, absolutely, it's not like yeah. that isn't a lack of morality, uh, a lack of human decency. Uh, people who just don't have enough 
um, thought for human life. Well, and I, I completely agree with Jeff that it's a morality issue as well, or, or maybe you could use a different word there instead of morality. But um, it's also a gun issue in that the person who, sure, for moral reasons decides to kill somebody now has a more efficient tool yep. that's available at your local gun store that mm-hmm. can kill a lot of people instead of just one. Believe me, I'm all for serious penalties. This is a texter example. I believe driving under the influence should be treated as attempted murder. Seriously. Uh, and the Burnsville shooter should have been locked away f- for life because of abuse from women. Yeah, there's also that part of the story, too, where he faced significant charges and convictions early on that, boy, seem to uh, result in less than efficient penalties. Uh, quick Takes is coming up. DJ, what, what do we got after the uh, news? Well, the president made an appearance on Late Night also, Adam, I found your new house. I'm going to tell you about that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.